Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. Bet online, where the game starts. This bag that I got is overpriced and you can't get this long. You in your bag now, and you ain't never been the man, you gotta brag now. And you ain't never been the type to finish last now. You made it to the NBA from a class clown. It's crazy how this shit changed. Yeah, yeah, they won't love you if you stay the same. Yeah, yeah, they won't love you if you feel your pain. You got that platform, better speak your truth. Penetration through these words, fuck they bulletproof. Time to give me, time to give me. I'm in my bag, oh. And I won't finish last, no, no. Cause I'm in my bag. Oh. All righty, guys. We are live with another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast with Andrew Robinson. And today we are joined by a special, special guest, man. We've had a bunch of DMV guests on lately. So, you know, we had to keep it going with uh, a good friend of mine, Baltimore's finest, uh, current Miami Heat wing, Haywood Heisman. So, Haywood, man, thank you for joining us. Nah, thank you for having me, man. Appreciate you guys having me for sure. No doubt, no doubt, man. Before we get into the nitty-gritty, man, I definitely want to remind you guys to like this podcast, subscribe to this podcast, give us a five-star rating. If you're listening on Spotify or YouTube or whatever, give us a good thumbs up. Um, it definitely goes a long way to getting this podcast out to the right people uh, that love basketball and love just all things sports. Um, so you guys can go ahead and do that for me now. That would be amazing. But um, also, let me show you guys are streaming my guy. Pull up Tay's music. That was him on the intro. It's also going to be him on the outro, one of the hottest artists out of the DMV. Um, but now that we got that out of the way, man, you know, definitely want to get it, get into our guest, man, because this is, um, you know, a, a special guest we have on today, guys. He's, you know, took the untraditional route to the league, you know, from a Division two, you know, the G League overseas, um, you know, paving his way now to where he's in a situation with the Miami Heat um, that a lot of guys, you know, quite frankly, just don't make it to, you know, but before we get into that, man, I kind of just want to take it back a little bit. Obviously, like I mentioned in the intro, you know, you're a Baltimore guy, um, and you ended up going to college at, at Wheeling Jesuit. So uh, I wanted to – well, actually, it's, it was Wheeling Jesuit when you were there, but it's now just Wheeling. Um, yeah, correct, I want, correct. <laughs> I want to talk to you just about what, what went into that decision, man, because obviously, you know, looking back on it now, it's like you're a guy who obviously made the league, played high-level overseas as well, and it's like, in my mind, and probably the people who are watching this podcast, they're like, yo, how did this dude go to Division Two? You know what I'm saying? Like, so just talk me through, you know, what brought you to Wheeling, um, just kind of your high school days and just kind of, uh, you know, what what kind of got you here to this point where you are today? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start out with high school. Um, I went to Archbishop Curley High School, um, high school in Baltimore, East Side, private school. We was in the um, MIAAB conference, so 
um, pretty solid basketball uh, conference, but the school itself was not known for basketball. I'll say that. So I kind of went there knowing that, you know, it wasn't going to be like, you know, one of the top schools in the in the city and in the, in the state, whatever. But, you know, I wanted to, you know, be that guy. I wanted to be the guy on the team. I wanted to, you know, be the leader, be the, you know, person who kind of starts, starts the culture off of that school. So went there and, um, you know, been on varsity all my years there. And then, um, you know, once once my senior year came, you know, you know, obviously I'm thinking about playing college basketball, you know, trying to take the next step. And, uh, you know, I had a few looks from Division threes, NIAA, whatever. I don't even know what it is. I forgot. NIAA, Division threes. I had some prep schools as well interested in some Division twos. And, um, you know, after going on a few visits and stuff, I realized that, you know, I didn't I didn't know what I wanted to do. You know, I didn't want to – some of the D3s that were interesting, you know, I wasn't really, you know, trying to go there. I thought I feel like I was better than that. I feel like I could play at a higher level, you know. The Division 2s are interested. You know, they weren't really – they weren't really interested, but they wasn't interested. So it's kind of, you know, back and forth thing. But, uh, you know, once I – um. Once I graduated high school, I did not know where I was going to college. So kind of, kind of interesting there. And then once I, uh, once I graduated, I actually played AAU after I graduated high school. So, um, you know, I played AAU, got a few other looks from Division two schools, and um, you know, I got some looks. And I, you know, they said they wanted me coming to visit, so I went to visit to two schools, Wilmington and Wheeling. Ended up choosing Wheeling, which was a great decision. And um, you know, from there, I just, you know, kind of just everything just flowed into, flowed into what it's supposed to be. And you know, I just kept working, and um, you know, got better each year I was there. Yeah. Now, when you were going through that time, kind of trying to find a school, um, and ended up did you ended up committing to Wheeling? Did you ever foresee your career playing out how it ended up doing? Where you know, by the end of it, you were a Division Two All American, you know, Player of the Year, and gave yourself a chance to play in the NBA. Like, was that in your in your vision, like, at the time? Or was it kind of like, all right, you know, I'm going to just go there and see what happens, maybe go overseas? Because that's what a bunch, you know, majority of the guys who go to Division II do. It's kind of like, uh, you know, making it to the NBA is, is super, super rare. So, like, what was your mindset at when you were originally making that decision to kind of go to Wheeling? Yeah, I think uh, at first, my freshman year, I was just trying to, you know, get on the team and make sure I was getting some playing time on the team. Um, I wasn't really thinking about professionally overseas, none of that. Um, you know, so when I got to college, it kind of was like a wake up for me. You know, because we were working out at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. workouts. You got lifting, you know, you got conditioning, you know, you got pickup, you got, you know, um, individual workouts, you got all this stuff. It's, you know, I wasn't really used to in high school. I'm not going to lie. You know, I worked out, but I didn't work, you know, I, could, I didn't work my hardest in high school at all. I definitely could have worked harder. And, you know, maybe if I worked harder, I would have, you know, it would have been easy for me to get to a different college or a higher level, but, you know, everything worked out for itself. But, um, yeah, my freshman year, I didn't really, I was just trying to just make it. You know, I, I wasn't really used to the wake up, the early morning workouts. And uh, once I, you know, got through that stage, I honestly, I just started just working, just working, just working. And uh, from there, you know, I got better each year. And, um, you know, once my senior year came, you know, I was just like, you know, I really want to take this next, next step, you know, be this All-American, you know, this best Division II player in the country type stuff. But, um, you know, it ended up happening for me because I was just working, I was working so hard, you know, over the summer, you know, I'd be in the gym a lot, you know, with different trainers and different guys. And, you know, my coach in college was, a, he pushed me a lot as well. He made me, you know, probably the player I am today, you know, just, just a worker and, um, you know, from there, you know, I just, you know, I just, I didn't really think about, you know, playing in the VA, playing professionally. I just put my head down and work and let everything else handle itself. Yeah. So was there ever a moment during that season, like, you know, despite what you just said, like, was there ever a moment, maybe during your senior year, for example, when you was killed, when you were killing it, where you were like, 
damn, like, I think I could probably give this NBA thing a shot. You know what I'm saying? Like, was there ever a moment during the season maybe where there it was a game or whether, you know, a conversation with the coach or a scout or anything where you were like, damn, like, I really might nah. be able to make this happen? Nah, for sure. Um, I think it was like a three-game stretch. I was scoring 30 points each game. And, you know, it, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't want to say it's easy, but it was just – I was just – you know, it wasn't – it wasn't easy, but it was it wasn't hard. I would say I was just feeling it. You know, it was it was coming natural to me. You know, I wasn't really forcing it. I was just you know planning planning the flow of the game, planning the flow of the offense, and just you know getting buckets. And, you know, after each play, I was just looking at my teammates like I mean, like I don't I don't know what you want me to do, but I'm just feeling it. Like I just you know it's just I just feel good, feel good today. It was like a three game stretch where I scored through thirty points each. But um. You know, after those after those three games, I was thinking to myself, like, you know, I wasn't thinking NBA because it's like Division Two, right? NBA, it's tough. But I was thinking, you know, professionally, you know, I could I could do this for a long, long time, and I could really make a career out of this. But um, yeah. Yeah. Now uh, I want to talk to you just about like the decision, you know, because I feel like that's one thing that I talk to a bunch of guys about on this platform. It's like, all right, when they're coming out of college, like episode three, we actually just dropped just now with with um, Marquise Reed. You know, we asked him, like, yo, when you came out of college, he was the third leading scorer in the ACC behind Zion Williamson and R.J. Barrett, and he got an opportunity to play summer league with the Pistons. Um, ultimately, lucky to go overseas because he didn't really get an opportunity um, in summer league. But, you know, for you, what was that thought process like when you came out of your senior year, you're the player of the year, you're a D2 All-American? Um, what was that thought process in your mind? Like, all right, bet, should I do the G League? and try to pursue the NBA or try to take my talents overseas, which might be a little more guaranteed, a little more solidified for a guy coming from my position. Like, what was that thought process like for you at that time, trying to decide, like, what direction you were going to go? Yeah, I think this is an important question for sure for a lot of people coming out of college. Um, you know, you can take different routes, like you said, overseas, G League. You know, I think um, that decision really plays a factor into, you know, how your career goes from there, to be honest with you. So for me, um, I kind of, you know, I when I first when the season was over my senior year, I you know met with a few agents, see what the see what was out there, you know, see what was going on, and um, you know, I eventually liked one agent that had what he had to say, and I eventually you know um signed with him and started working with him, and he felt like the best route for me. Well, we he felt like it, but me and my family also agreed that the best route for me was you know just try this NBA G League thing out because overseas is always going to be there. You know, because you're a Division II player of the year. A lot of teams are already interested in you overseas. But I, he, he felt like I could just try the NBA G League out for now and see how it goes from there. So um, it was kind of tough for me, honestly, being Division II. I didn't get a lot of um, a lot of NBA workouts coming out of my um, coming out of college. So um, I didn't have a lot of NBA interest. You know, even though I was a Division II player of the year, you would think I would have a couple teams, something like that. But didn't really have a lot. So um. Honestly, I got connected with the Pistons through um, some people I knew, and um, you know they saw me play against uh, West Virginia my senior year, which was Division One school. So it was kind of like you know a good, good, good game for me to show what I can do against higher competition type stuff. So um, I played good then, and um, you know I kind of connected with Alton Brand, and know, uh, and then from there I got invited to the Sixers summer league um, training camp, not the official team before they went to Vegas for summer league. And um, from there, I did my thing. I was showing out, you know, I did better than they thought I would do. And um, from there, they gave me a shot on the G League team after that. And um, from there, I just, you know, I will guess we'll tell the story, you know, as you ask some more questions. But from there, I just, you know, just grinded out in the G and, um, you know, from there stuff, yeah. So the last question I'll ask, man, before we get into that, you know, G League stuff and just, you know, grinding it out through the professional career, 
um, you know, there aren't too many guys, uh, you know, that that did win that Division II Player of the Year. Um, Charles Oakley is, is one of the names on that list who obviously is an NBA Hall of Famer. You know, looking back on their college career and being able to win that award, like, what does that mean to you? You know what I'm saying? To be able to have your name on that list with, with the guys that have won that award in, in the past and uh, just to kind of have your name up in that same conversation. Nah, I didn't even know Charles Oakley um, won that award. So that's a, that's an interesting fact. And that's that's nice to be, you know, mentioned in, you know, the same breath as a guy like Charles Oakley, you know. But, um, I mean, Division II Putty is probably one of the best words I ever got, you know, because honestly, it was unexpected. I was having a, I was having a great season, you know, but that doesn't mean I was guaranteed you're going to get, you know, play to y'all and Mary and stuff like that. But, um, you know, honestly, you know, when it was announced, you know, I was just so blessed and so humble. And, you know, I just, my, my thought process was, you know, wow, like, you know, um, you know, I thank God for this, you know, I, I worked my, you know, I worked my butt off of this and, you know, just to see, you know, that come, you know, see the rewards come with the work, you know, it's, it's a great feeling. Um, so, you know, I love, I, when I think about that award, you know, it just brings back a lot of great memories, you know, it just, it just shows that, you know, hard work pays off. Yeah, yeah. Like kind of transitioning into your pro career that first year, correct me if I'm wrong, but your first year you weren't on an exhibit or anything like that. You was on a standard G League deal. Right? Yeah, standard G League deal, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So for most people who kind of maybe listening to this, like, uh, it's hard, man. Like if you're if you're in the G League nowadays, especially with the politics of how everything goes, man, if you're not on a two-way or exhibit, I mean, it's tough to be able to get minutes in the G League because you got NBA assignment guys that are coming down. And obviously yeah. two way exhibit guys are going to take priority. So for you to be able to uh that first year, you know, get into the G League, you know, carve out an actual role when you were playing, like talk to me about that process, um, how you were able to just make that happen, you know, just staying ready for any opportunity uh that came your way, and then actually being able to carve out a legitimate role, not being an exhibit 10 guy or a two-way guy, or obviously a NBA Simon guy that first year, and coming from a D2. No, nah, that's a great point. Um, in the G League, you know, a lot of things are moving, a lot of things are happening. You know, you could have two assignee players at one game, two two ways, and you know, exhibit ten guys in front of you. You might not see the floor. That's that's a great point. You know, and in the next game, you know, they might be all gone, and you get a lot of time. So it's a lot of things going on in the G League. I'm not gonna lie, but um, my my G League experience, my first year, um, you know, I was just trying to just figure out how to become a pro, figure out how to, you know, just make sure I was doing the right things for me to be successful as a pro. Um, so I was with the Delaware Blue Coats, and honestly, we had some uh, some great, had some great teammates and some great staff members who really, you know, helped help me out as far as just becoming a better pro and just working, you know, working my butt off and learning and learning the process. Um, and I feel like the Sixers and the Blue Coats, which is the Sixers and Blue Coats are, the, you know, affiliated with G League, but they do a great job of connecting, you know, both and, you know, making sure, you know, they use both in a way that, you know, you feel like, you know, it's not just the Blue Coats by itself or the Sixers by itself. But, um, you know, we had uh, we had two-way players on my team. We had Simon players, you know, and we had Exhibit 10 guys, like you said, but, um, you know, for me, I just, you know, I just let, you know, control that I can control and just, you know, work my butt off and try to, you know, you know, prove to the coaches that, you know, I deserve minutes, you know, I deserve to uh, start and I deserve this and that. But um, to be honest with you, an injury kind of, did, I wasn't in rotation, but an injury came up and, you know, it forced me to start. So that was, you know, it was kind of, you know, it was kind of a lucky type thing. I didn't wish no injury upon nobody, but it kind of just happened. And, you know, I feel like everything sometimes happens for a reason, you know, and I stepped into that role. I never, you know, never gave it up. You know, I stepped into that role, played my butt off. You know, they let me start for a lot rest of the season. And, you know, eventually from there, just kept getting better and better. And I was just, you know, getting, 
you know, proven to a lot of a lot of people that, you know, that I was in the G League for a reason, you know, I was developing, getting better. And eventually I got the two-way for the Sixers, you know, and then from there, you know, I'll ask more questions. But, yeah, I mean, I'll tell the story later about that. Yeah, yeah. No, nah, man, so let's get right into it, man. Obviously, like I said, you, you signed a two-way with the Sixers, and then uh, obviously you get the call, man, versus, versus the Wizards. Uh, you know, hometown team, obviously – you know, being from, you know, from Maryland and getting the, yeah, to suit up against the Wizards, man, when you get that two-way. Just talk about what that moment was like for you, number one, um, being able to just get that call, man, and actually suit up and take the floor in the NBA game. But then not only that, but you were able to score your first NBA points in that game as well, man. Just walk me through that whole moment, just getting called up, you know, scoring your first NBA bucket. And then also that being at home, you know, against the Wizards uh, or, or the hometown team, uh, I was I should say, I'm um, just talking talk through that whole that whole moment, that whole experience. Yeah, so that day, um, I always say it's probably one of the you know greatest days in my life. You know, it's up there for sure. But um, we had a G League game earlier in the morning, and I played in that. And um, the plan was always for me to sign, you know, the two way at the Sixers training facility after the game and stuff like that. So my family came up, and you know, I didn't know I was going to get caught up for the game later against the Wizards. So um, that was kind of surprised. But um, you know, played the G League game, we won that game. And then I uh, went to the Sixers training facility with my family, signed the paperwork, my agents there, you know, taking pictures is a great time, you know, and I'm just so happy and blessed at the moment, you know. And um, after that, they kind of told me, you know, I might get caught up for the game later against the Wizards. So um, that was pretty exciting for me. You know, obviously it was some nerve for me, you know, it's like, oh, wow, like, this is my first, my first NBA type experience, first game, um, you know, I'm going to you know, make sure I'm prepared and stuff like that. You never know what happens. Um, so, um, you know, I called, my mom wasn't there at first, so she came up to the game later, which was, you know, a good moment for us, you know, because she, you know, she raised me since I was a child and I always been a mama's boy, you know, both of my parents, you know, did a great job with me. So um, you know, they came up, she came up later for the game. So, you know, like you said, it's against the Wizards. And, um, you know, so I get to the get to the stadium for the game later um, and, you know, just walking in, you know, it's kind of like, you know, this is amazing. You know, it's almost like a dream kind of, um, you know, but um, getting to the locker room, my jersey's there, Highsmith, you know, my number seven, you know, pretty a great experience as well. Just, you know, just saying that, you know, just saying, you know, you know, that is possible. And, um, you know, I did I did all this work for this, you know, for this moment right here. And, um, yeah, so, you know, in the game and stuff, we start blowing the Wizards out. And, um, you know, people, a timeout happens, I think, and we're up, we were big when it was its fourth quarter. So, um, you know, people, some of the coaches told me, you know, start stretching and stuff like that. So, you know, I started stretching, like, okay, here we go. Like, and then uh, Brett Brown was coaching Tom, puts me in the game. Um, they call floppy, floppy actions, basically, you know, two pin downs, you know, two shooters coming off and stuff like that. So, do the floppy action. I come down to pin down. Um, point guard passes me the ball for the three, and, um, you know, obviously me being, you know, the shooter, I consider myself kind of a shooter as I am. You know, I see see open, see the open shot, you know, I take it, you know, and it, it goes in. And um, you know, my first shot, you know, honestly. So um it was pretty pretty great experience for me overall. You know, my family's there, you know, they're going crazy. I hit my first shot. Teammates are going crazy, my first NBA point. And um, you know, it was just a just a beautiful moment. And, you know, like I said, I always remember that day, you know, because it's one of the greatest days of my life for sure. You know, just scoring my first NBA point, having my family there, um, you know, signing that two-way, accomplishing, you know, something that all everybody, you know, kind of wanted as a kid, you know, being in the NBA, you know, having that experience. And, um, you know, just a great, great day overall. And, um, you know, at the, end of, at the end of the day, I hugged my mom, and, you know, she just started crying. And it was it's a great moment. But, uh, you know, that 
that just it just shows you that you know anything is possible and um you know anything that you want to do you can do in in this life. What were the nerves like, man? When you at the scores table, you at the scores table by the table, <laughs> and you looking like what was what was going through your mind at that moment? <laughs> nah, to be honest with you, I was I was you know this is I'm I'm from Division Two. I've been playing in small gyms, you know, not too many big gyms, you know. And I'm playing in Wells Fargo Center, one of the loudest, you know, craziest arenas in the NBA. To be honest with you, if you haven't been there, but um. Yeah, I was definitely nervous, man. To be honest with you, before they called the floppy, I actually they called something else and I got the ball and I almost turned it over. <laughs> but um I didn't turn it over. But you know, once I got in there and just started getting up and down, it was, you know, it's just basketball at the end of the day, it's just a whole bunch of people watching. So, you know, the nerves kind of you know, went away after that. Yeah. And did you get any crazy uh, uh congrats from Embiid or, or Ben Simmons or any other guys around that time? Nah, when, everybody, uh, nah, everybody was happy. Everybody was happy for me. Everybody congratulating me. Um, you know, I just met them guys. Well, I actually I knew some of them from when I used to go up to the Sixers training facility and work out with them before. But um, yeah, everybody was so happy for me. You know, it was just great just seeing you know your teammates show love and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a crazy moment, man. We'll get back to the NBA stuff in a little bit, but I kind of want to transition because. Um, you know, after that, you did obviously go back to the G League, but then you took a stint overseas, you know, played in Germany um, for a season. And then um, the next year, you, you signed a deal with uh, Vinoli Cremona in Italy. And mm -hmm. at this time, you know, obviously, Cremona, that's, that's a super high-level uh, club in Italy, man. And you had an NBA out uh, in your deal. But, you know, for me, obviously, being an overseas guy myself, uh, I want to talk to you about this and just kind of shed some light on this for the audience because – I feel like for those people who don't know kind of how it works, you took a major gamble um, because no, you you left you left Vinoli and you signed the Exhibit Ten deal, which obviously is not two way, it's not a not even not guaranteed. You signed an Exhibit Ten deal with the Sixers uh, this time, and obviously that decision ended up turning into you you know being in the G League, but more than anything, just being available for when all those hardship deals were going out. You know, which led to you ended up, you know, signing with the Heat, uh, which obviously where you still are today. So it's crazy when you look back on it. You know that that crazy game what you took by leaving, you know, a, a guaranteed opportunity in in a great league, a great team in Italy for Exhibit Ten. You know what that ended up leading to. But uh, I want to ask you, man, just like what went into number one, your decision to leave Italy to to take that Exhibit Ten deal. Um, I guess I'll, I'll ask that one first, and then I'll ask the follow up after. Nah, it's a, it was a lot of factors for me. Um, to be honest with you, um, Cremona was that that they gave me a great offer. Um, great offer, you know, first league in Italy, so great competition as well. So, um, actually, knew, I knew a teammate. I played with the teammate who was on that team last year, so it was kind of like okay, like I feel kind of comfortable playing there. And um, so, but I did honestly, a couple of factors that played into it. I did just have a child in um in Miami, Florida. You know, so I, I did want to be close to her, but um, it was kind of tough trying to get on the G League team at the time. So, um, you know, I took the overseas route. And um, so I did have NBA out, like you said, which was, you know, which was, it was cool because I can, you know, I can get out of it in case, you know, an NBA team did want me on like Exhibit 10 or two way or something like that. But um, a lot of, the reason why I decided to, to take the, to be honest with you, the money, it was the money that I was making in Cremona was so much more money that I would have made that I would have made if when I did sign that exhibit 10 in the G League. Cause even with the exhibit 10 plus the G League salary wasn't, it wasn't, as, it was less than the Cremona deal. So basically what I was doing in the sense was betting on myself. So 
the reason why I took that gamble is because one, I wanted to be closer to my to my child. You know, being overseas, you know, it's, it's tough. You know, your different time zones. You know, don't get to see him a lot. Facetime is only so much. So I knew if I was if I you know, once I took that deal with the with the Blue Coast Exhibit 10, I would at least be in the same country. You know, I could fly her in to see me. I could fly over there to see her during Christmas and stuff like that. So uh, I wanted to be closer to her. And two, um, like I said, I, I bet on myself. I felt like, you know, I had enough in me to get back to the NBA and, you know, get that call up and get, get another team interested in me. And um, you know, end up working out for itself. Like you said, got the got the uh ten days with the Miami Heat. You know, obviously COVID did play a factor in kind of that because everybody was getting called up. But you know, everything happens for a reason. So you know, I mean, I, I stuck, I stuck with the Heat. You know, so um, you know, you can say what you want to say, but at the end of the day, you know, it happened. But uh, you know, that was it was a big gamble, and um, all I can say is you know, I bet on myself. You know, and um, end of the day, you know, I will always choose family, my daughter over any type of money, being closer to her. You know, it's you know, it's better than any type of money in the world. To be honest with you, that's real spill right there. That's real spill right there. Um, and the the second part of that question was like, when you look back on it now, you know, obviously seeing, you know, because you just signed a multi year deal with the Heat off, you know, uh, after you signed the the, the two ten days, and obviously it's like when you look back on it, you couldn't really foresee all those ten days being given out with the hardship deal and stuff like that, man. So it's like when you look back on it. It's kind of like, dang, y'all can't believe that really worked out like that. You know what I'm saying? But nah, it's, it's crazy because it's crazy because my daughter lives in Miami and the Miami Heat came me ten days, so I was it was just, it was it was just it's perfect. But yeah, I can't believe it worked out like that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, I guess my next question would be, man, like, you know, what what advice would you give to another Division Two player that's coming out, you know, in your shoes? Because I feel like you've done it at. You know, every level you did play overseas, you did do the G League route. You know what I'm saying? You made it to the league now. Like, so you've kind of seen every every aspect, you know, of, of kind of how to make it. Even this year, doing the summer league thing, man. So I feel like now in today's age, man, there's so much more uh, access for D2 guys, whether it's, you know, I see Swiss cultures doing, you know, spotlights on, on some guys that are uh, underrated and things like that. And social media, you can kind of see and find out all type of under-the-radar guys. You guys on the heat, actually, Max Truist, Obviously, he ended up transferring, but he started allowing at Division Two. You know what I'm saying? And, and yeah. So, for you, like, what advice would you give to another guy who's coming up in your shoes that maybe has an NBA dream on on how to make it to where you are? Before I answer this, I do want to say also before she, before um, I get you know whatever. But my uh, not just my daughter as well, but my girlfriend as well, being closer to her in, in Miami and stuff like that. Not just my daughter. Before I answer that question, but uh, but the advice that I do want to, the advice I do want to give. For anybody, you know, that's trying to come up, you know, trying to make it. Um, at the end of the day, you got to put the work in. You know, nothing's going to be given to you. Um, so, you know, nothing's just going to happen. You know, the next day or the next day, you know, it's going to take good, good, good. It's going to take you. It's going to take you to stack good days after good days after good days, and you know, just keep working. And um, you know, don't, you know, don't, don't try to, you know, look to the future. You know, worry about the present. And um, you know, can control what you can control. You know, sometimes, you know, you can do you can do everything it takes to get to where you want to be. You know, sometimes politics happen or something like that. But don't let that derail you. Don't let that stop you from chasing, you know, what you want. You know, I get DMs all the time from guys saying I'm inspiration to them. You know, they're trying to make it. You know, from where I came from and stuff like that. And I always tell them like, you know, don't always, you know, don't compare me and your story. You know, just you know, 
create your own journey. You know, if you if you, if you really want it, you know, you're going to get there somehow, some way. You know, it might take you know a little bit more time, but just stay patient. I feel like you know people try to look at my route, you know, think it's going to happen like that. But you know, you, sometimes you know you got to go overseas for a couple of years, or maybe you got to go to Julie for a couple of years, or maybe you know you just got to just grind. So I feel like just don't you know just keep pushing, you know, keep grinding, you know, and the work always comes first for sure. Sure, sure. Now speaking on the Miami Heat, you know, you guys, you know, we, we just mentioned Max Truce, you know, obviously who started his career off at D2. Duncan Robinson started his career off at a D3. Um, you guys have been known for signing guys who are undrafted or, you know, obviously guys like yourself coming from a division two or a low major schools or whatever the case may be. You guys have kind of made that famous. Like talk about just after you've kind of been in the organization, why do you think that's been able to work uh, for Miami, you know, bringing in guys who are kind of unheralded and still been able to have the, the success uh, that, that, that they've been able to have over the last couple of years? Yeah, I mean, he's, this this organization is known for, you know, finding diamonds in the rough, finding these underrated guys, finding these, finding these undrafted guys, like you said. But I think the big thing for them is, you know, they do a great job of just developing players, player development. You know, it's a big thing. Um, you know, homegrown talent, you know, and, um, you know, it's nothing, nothing like it. Um, you know, we do a lot of different things here just to make sure, you know, everybody, it was getting better every day. You know, I just got done a workout, you know, we're st still preaching the same things, building, you know, the same good habits, you know, just to make sure, you know, everybody's ready to go in case your number's called. Um, but, you know, they're, you know, they're all about culture, you know, they're all about winning. And, you know, um, just like I said, player development is very big here. And, um, you know, I'm glad to be here because you know, I'm all about getting better each and every day. You know, I feel like you can never, you know, stop getting better. You know, you can never stop learning. And, you know, I just want to just keep growing and keep improving. For sure. Now, you mentioned a little bit, man. You mentioned the word culture. And I listened to the old man in three with, with J.J. Redick. I listened to a bunch of NBA podcasts and, you know, Draymond Green podcasts. And obviously those guys never played for the Miami Heat, but they always talk about heat culture. And, uh, you know, that's a big word around the NBA as far as this Pat Riley and the way you guys do things down there. So can you just describe what heat culture is? I mean, you heard a bunch about the, the body fat and all you got, all these rules that you guys have, all this crazy stuff that, that, that y'all got going on down there. But, you know, what is heat culture, you know, for the people who might not know or how could you best describe it, you know, for, for the viewers and, and, and what heat culture actually is? No, I get this question a lot. And, um, you know, I'm going to say, uh, you know, heat culture is just all about just, you know, just being a grinder, just being a worker. You know, and just, you know, not making no excuses, you know, getting getting the job done no matter what, get, no matter what. And, you know, just, you know, finding a way to win. Obviously, you know, this organization has a history of winning championships at the championships. And, you know, um, they got to they, they've been they've been that they last year, you know, we was close there and um in the bubble. They was close. But, um you know, I think the culture all begins with, you know, the top with Pat Riley, like you said, and, you know, it goes all the way down to like, you know, anybody in the organization. But, um you know, I'm just going to I'll say a couple, you know, a couple words just describing, you know, just a grinder, a hard worker um and, you know, not making no excuses, you know, and just getting getting the job done, like I said. Now, do you guys in within the team use the word heat culture, or is that only like an outside thing that people use? Like, do you guys ever sure. on it within the organization? Not for sure. Sometimes when we break down in the huddle, you know, we say culture on three, one, two, three culture. So, you know, we use it as well. It's not just, you know, outsiders. All right, all right, where I was wondering about that. Um, now, you mentioned last season, obviously, you you, you came through after the, the, the two 10 days and ended up signing on with them um, last season, but – 
you guys had the best record in the Eastern Conference, number one seed. You guys, guys ended up making all the Eastern Conference finals and, you know, to game seven, you know, against against Boston. Just talk me through that season, you know, what, what that season was like last season. You know, obviously you guys were, you know, one one game, one shot, you know, really away from being in the finals. Um, but just talk to me about, you know, last, last season and I guess, you know, I guess what went into it, what it meant for you to kind of be a part of that journey and just seeing it. Um, and you know, being a part of that team that obviously had a chance to literally compete and win for uh, win a excuse me uh, NBA championship last year. Yeah, to be yeah, to be honest with you, um, for me when I was when I was you know looking at the before I got signed and I was in the G League and I was looking at the NBA in the East, you know, I didn't have the Heat at the top of the East, in my opinion, to be honest with you. But you know, they got there and they they got the number one seed. You know, and then once I got the ten days and once I was in the organization seeing what's going on, like these. And these guys are about business. They try and win, you know, because every little detail, you know, I feel like in the huddle they was talking about, you know, and if you never see like a heat timeout, you always see Kyle with the iPad looking at plays, you know, trying to correct simple things and correct this and that. Like, you know, I'm just, I'm just looking at them like, you know, this is crazy. Like, I mean, but they, they care, you know, every detail matters, you know, and I understand and I understood why they was number one seed in the East, you know, they, they're, they're built on defense, you know, obviously they're going to score and make shots like that, but they're built on defense. But, um, you know, for me, just, you know, just seeing the process of how this team came together, got the number one seed, you know, made it to the Eastern Conference Finals game seven. You know, I feel like it just it starts with the leadership. You know, everybody thinks that Udonis is on the team because he, you know, I mean, why is he on the team? Why is he, but, like, he's he's the leader. You know, he's, he runs, he drives the ship, you know. Every locker room, every time out, you know, he's in there talking, encouraging guys, telling guys this and that, telling guys, you know, this and that on the bench, you know, he talks to me, you know, and tells me this and that, like, you know, it's little things that can help at the end of the day, because you know, he has a lot of knowledge. He's been in this league for 20, 20 years, you know, he's seen everything, you know, so it's like stuff like that, you know, that just separates the heat from other teams. But, um, you know, like you said, I mean, you know, coming to this team, you know, just seeing how, you know, they're just, you know, how it's built, and, you know, it's, you know, how everything goes, you know, um, you know, it's great, you know, and they have one of the best coaches in the NBA as well, you know, our exposure. So, you know, it's it's crazy. But, um, you know, just, you know, I'm, I'm glad to be a part of this team, you know, and be part of the organization, you know, because they just they're built on winning and, you know, they're, you know, they're chasing championships. Yeah. Now, for you, man, obviously, you know, you mentioned, obviously, you, you would describe yourself as a shooter, uh, and, you know, you're a wing, and, you know, you're getting a chance to learn from, you know, one of the best wings in the NBA, you know, in Jimmy Butler, and, um, I think from the outside looking in, you know, Jimmy's kind of a, a hard person to kind of understand because, you know, he's super intense, obviously, on the court. And you see, you might see his, his, the antics that he has off of the court. But, you know, what has it been like for you just uh, playing with him, sharing the locker room with him, learning from him over over the last year and uh, just obviously th this season as well? Yeah, I mean, I've I've honestly known Jimmy since Philly. When I got to Philly, he was there. So um, you know, I've been I've been with Jimmy Jimmy for a minute now. But uh, you know, he's he's all he's definitely misunderstood. You know, he's all about winning, and he's just all about you know doing whatever it takes to win. That's why he fits the culture very well. To be honest with you, like when you think about the Heat, I really you think about Jimmy Butler. I mean, he's he's one of the he went from you know a last pick in the draft to a superstar type player. So it's crazy. But um, yeah, I mean, Jimmy Jimmy. Jimmy's mentality, Jimmy's IQ, like all those things is why he's so good. You know, he's a two-way player. Um, and, you know, just just yesterday he had six steals. You know, I was just watching them. Like, you know, it looked like pick sixes, to be honest, because he was just reading them and just going all the way, dunking the ball. 
But um, yeah, he's one of the he's one of the real guys in his NBA. You know, he's gonna tell you, you know, he's gonna tell you what you don't want to hear. He's gonna tell you what you, you know, he's gonna tell you the truth. You know, but um, just a hard nosed guy and just a just a winner and just a hard worker. And you know, he's also a funny guy as well. I'll give him that. <laughs> <laughs> Sure. I mean, what what are some of the your favorite uh stories stories with, with Jimmy Man? Was a funny story or you know most mm. story with, with with Jimmy? Would you say? Uh, sometimes uh sometimes with Jimmy, since me and him go way back, he's like he doesn't he doesn't always shake my hand. You know when I'm trying to like deaf him up sometimes he, he plays around and be like I don't like you. I'm not shaking your hand, but he's playing around most of the time. But yeah, I mean he's cool. We play spades on the plane sometimes too. So uh. I'm still trying to figure out how to beat be him and Kyle, but you know they have they have something going on. But you know we'll we'll get there eventually. Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> Obviously, you know playing for the Heat, you know like you mentioned, you can't be on that team if you don't play defense. And you know last season you had the opportunity to play alongside uh, PJ Tucker, who won a championship with the Bucks, who's one of the best defenders in the league. Kyle Lowry's obviously a guy who's known for you know playing defense and taking charges. We mentioned Jimmy Butler already, but um, what would you say? is I guess one of the main things that you've learned from those guys or even even a guy like UD uh, who's who's one of the you know prototypical role players throughout his career you know and doing little things and stuff like that um if you could choose one thing or a couple of things that I, I guess you learned from those guys that you would say really stuck out to you um what would it be uh that's a good question I think uh I think with PJ he's just you know he just it's just the way that he you know, the way that he plays with some tenacity, like I feel like, you know, his defense, people feel like people sometimes say he's not a good defender, but he's actually a very good defender, you know, and he uses, you know, uses, he uses, he's physical on defense, uses his body in the right way. He guards guys, you know, and tries to make them comfortable um, and try to make them things that they want to do. I think PJ is just, I just learned PJ just, you know, always just keep playing hard and just, you know, and just play physical on defense. Um, you know, I think a couple other things I always learn is um definitely just, you know, every play matters and never take plays off. And just, you know, just keep keep pushing. Um Kyle, Kyle, the fact that Kyle is taking charges and, you know, he's I don't even know he's like he's a vet player, but he's in like his, you know, late late in his career, you know, it's crazy. But um, you know, these guys are just workers and they just wanna win. I think the big the big thing with them is just always just, you know, learning from them and just understanding, you know, what they what they're trying to do and they you know, even even though they have championships already, like you said, they're still trying to chase another one. So they just they just one on one. Now, for you, obviously, this is kind of your first time in your career that you've entered a season like in the NBA. Fully, you don't have to worry about you know going overseas or going in the G League. Like for you, what what was your mindset going into this season? You know, obviously, like you mentioned, like right now, you know, you aren't playing a bunch of minutes and stuff like that. But like, um, what is your mindset right now? What are your goals for this season? And kind of entering this year, where it's like, all right, you know, you don't have to worry about you know, I guess scratching the claw and, you know, fight through the G League or worry about being overseas. Now you're, like I said, you you entered this year, even in summer league, you know, I watched you playing summer league and you had the ball in your hands a lot more. Um, were able to develop and kind of lead that summer league roster this summer. Um, so now coming into your first, I guess, full NBA season, just what's your mindset coming into this year and what are some goals that you have for yourself uh, this season? Yeah, my mindset was just coming here, you know, the, a better player, more, um, in the best condition I can be in, um, you know, obviously lifting weights, you know, having my shot right, you know, just being being an overall better player. Um, and definitely, you know, my, my goals was, you know, getting to rotation, 
I'm going to continue just to get better and continue just to, you know, improve the coaches that, you know, they can put me on the floor and I'm going to you know, do whatever it takes to play defense, you know, and do whatever it takes on the offense and, you know, just do my job. So, um, you know, for me, you know, just it's just a, it's all about a grind and it's a process. You know, I just got to keep going, you know, just keep working. And at the end of the day, um, you know, it's going to happen for me. You know, I put in too much work for it not to happen to me for sure. You know, but it's all about time, and you know, and I understand that. So, you know, I'm still a young player, so you know, I can't let you know me right now not playing a lot. You know, derail, you know, derail me or upset me. You know, just gotta just keep, you know, stay, stay in it. You know, just keep, um, you know, encouraging my teammates. You know, when I'm not playing, and then when I do start playing, you know, do do what I gotta do to you know stay on the floor. Now, um, switching gears a little bit, man. Obviously, hearing what's in your bag, like to talk about you know what's in your bag off the court as well, and you have a personal brand. Um, you know, that, that, that you started up recently. And I want to give you opportunity just to kind of talk about that, you know, the clothing line that you have and kind of just your, your brand that you developed off the court um, and just kind of tell the people kind of, uh, you know, what, what that means to you. Nah, for sure. Um, so I started this, you know, I always been in the clothing, always been in a, you know, different motivational things like that. But um, that's kind of, it's a clothing brand, you know, it's just, you know, stuff to just, you know, get the word out there to people and uh, motivate people and help people do different things and stuff like that. Just, you know, make a difference kind of. Um, it's honestly, honestly, right now that the season started up, I haven't had time, a lot of time, you know, just, you know, get it, get it going with some new stuff and stuff like that. But I did start it, uh, I think it was last summer. And, um, you know, it's the, all the thing about it, you know, it's called H, but um, the backstory basically is for, you know, right now, just, you know, just betting on yourself and, you know, just, you know, keep pushing, keep working, you know, it's um something, something small right now, just to, you know, just to get the word out there to people. But, um, you know, right now, um, it's in a standstill right now because I've in season, you know, kind of busy, but, um, you know, it's going, it's going to pick up eventually, but, uh, yeah, just betting on yourself. And like you said earlier in the pro, like, like we said earlier in the podcast, you know, that decision that I made, um, betting on myself, you know, kind of came from that, that, that decision, you know, it worked out, but, um, you know, I, I always live, live by that, you know, throughout my life, you know, I always had confidence in myself in any situation that, you know, I know myself that I would prevail and come out on top at the end of the day, but, um, yeah, something small right now for me, but, you know, it's going to continue to grow for sure. And what do you want to take that, like, in the next couple of years? If you had, like, a vision for the company or for the brand, like, you know, where where would you want to see that in the next couple of years? Yeah, I feel like I just, I want to, um, you know, definitely – I'll get it bigger, you know, with a wide range of different things, clothing, you know, do a part. I can also start a podcast about something like that, or I can start a YouTube channel, you know, and different things like that. Um, you know, got got big visions for that, but um, you know, right now I'm focused on the court more than that for sure, to be honest with you. But yeah, definitely got big visions for that. For sure, for sure. Now, um, one of the segments that we have here on What's in Your Bag is called Match or Mismatch. And uh it's a little fashion segment that we have, obviously, for match. Um, kind of talk about some of your favorite fashion trends and then mismatch some of the things that you that you wish you would see go. And obviously, you are you down there in South Beach, you know what I'm saying? So you got a it's, it's a bunch of steppers down there walking down Ocean Drive and uh and Bay, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But uh the first question, you know, I, I would ask, you know, for match or mismatch is uh who would you say is your flyest teammate? Who would you say is your flyest teammate down there with the heat? My flyest, my flyest teammate. Uh, I give it to Tyler for sure. Okay, okay, okay. And uh, when it when it comes to I guess uh, a fashion trend that you that you say right now, uh, what, what would you say is your favorite fashion trend that that's in right now that you think all right, like I can get with that? Not right now for me. I've been on the cozy vibes, uh, sweatsuits and sh- and uh. 
the like the uh, baseball type shorts. I don't know what you're saying. I'm wearing them right now, honestly. But uh, it's like it's like shorts. They got like a baseball team on it with another little logo on the side. But uh, yeah, I've been on the cozy vibes. I haven't been feeling the jeans at all. To be honest with you, just want to be cozy. Uh, it's not it's not too cold down in Miami. You know, it's a nice good temperature. But uh, I still like the sweatsuits and uh, definitely the shorts. You know, with some some dunks or you know maybe some crops. I've just been chilling on the chill vibes for sure. All right, all right. So maybe we're gonna put you on the spot here. You know what I'm saying? For the mismatch segment of this, man, what is when you when you look at league fits or when you see guys in the tunnel, you know what I'm saying, throwing their little fits on, what is something that you see and you'd be like, nah, that ain't it? Or like, I wish I wish dudes would stop doing this. Like, you know, what's something uh, that you like, <laughs> I can't I can't get with it? <laughs> uh, I think like the 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 long sleeve like sweaters are like when the sleeves are like longer than the person's arms and their arms like like something like that. I just can't get with it. The, I don't the, know. The, the Kuzma sweater, the Kuzma. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't, I can't get with it. No disrespect. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. So, so if you had to, if you had to put on a fit, like you, you know, what I'm saying pregame, like what's your go-to pregame fit when you come through the tunnel? If you had to kind of put on like with your, your go-to joint, uh, it'll probably be um, like I said, either a sweatsuit, like you know, um, lately I've been rocking the Eric Eric Man Eric Mans, whatever his name is, sweatsuits, and then uh, or like a gallery shirt and some shorts and you know some Crocs or some Dunks or something like that. So nothing, nothing too crazy. Just something just to you know just you know show that I got style, but I'm not you know trying too hard. Little cozy vibe. You feel me? <laughs> okay. Okay. How would you describe Jimmy Butler's style? Jimmy Butler's style is Jimmy Butler's style. He does what he wants, wears what he wants, you know. So like I, I, I respect him because he does what he wants and wears what he wants, and the day he doesn't care. He doesn't care who you are, or what you think. How you? How do you feel about the dreads when he when you see him come through with them with the full locks in his head, man? What was your opinion on that? I'll be honest with you, I wasn't surprised Jimmy did something like that. I mean, <laughs> he basically basically was trolling the whole NBA because all his pictures now have dreads in them, and right now he has braids. He doesn't have dreads no more. So it's basically it's just, it's a joke kind of. It's what's funny. the troll though? Like, what's can we get the backstory? Because I don't, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand like what he was going for with that. Nah, I guess he just wanted his, all his pitches to have dreads and like all his pregame, like his NBA, like media day, all his pitches have dreads now and he doesn't have them no more. So it's just kind of, it's funny. He doesn't, he he cut all his face hair off too. So it's kind of, you know. Okay. Okay. I got you. I got you. All right. Last question, man. Uh, who are your top five, uh, if you had to name top five flyers dudes like in the league or maybe top five favorite dudes that you think like you like what they're doing as far as their swag and their style? I would say uh, Shea Gilgis Alexander for sure. Um, I like what Jason Tatum's been wearing as well. Tyler. Uh, I need two more. Let me think. Uh, I like when uh, I like what uh. I think I don't really be looking at lead fix no more like that. Uh, okay, so we got uh, we got Shay, um, Shay Tyler, Jason Tatum. Then we got uh, I like what uh, I like what uh, D Book's been wearing, and then uh, one more, one more. 
I like I like Jaws. Like Jaws, cozy fits with me. So I like Jaws. He's wearing the sweatsuits and Nike sweatsuits. So I like that. I uh, cozy vibes, cozy vibes. You respect it. Yeah, respect it, man. Yeah. Um, last question, man. Is you know we 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 take this segment from uh all the smoke, man. We always ask our guests, uh, who is one guy that you would want to see uh, on the What's in Your Bag podcast, and whoever you say, you got to help us get them on the show. You know whether it be uh and this and it got to be a basketball player. It could be a basketball player, obviously, but it could be. Uh, a photographer, uh, NBA stylist, or somebody who's around the game of basketball that's doing dope work that you think needs to be spotlighted. Anything, uh, anything under under that realm, man. Uh, you know, we we would uh, we would appreciate recommendations. Hmm, it's a good question. Uh, I want to see Trevor and Queen on here. How about that? No, mm. and it's crazy you said that because, bro, he's a DMV guy, and I've never met him. Like I've never met. Yeah. Him. A bunch well, of I mean, people. I can I can connect you guys if you wanted me to. Yeah. I mean, I have his Instagram. We talk. We all uh, played on the same uh, Brunson team. All right, that's a bet for sure. So yeah, after the podcast, man, we're gonna connect and let's see if we can we can bridge that gap. I definitely like like to talk to him. He he has a similar story to you. You know what I'm saying? Got a lot of the mud type. Of yeah, thing. nah, for sure. His his story's crazy too. Yeah, show for sure, man. But um, nah, man, I appreciate appreciate you for coming on, man. This has been dope dope conversation. You know what I'm saying? I always. You know, before we leave the episode, man, I always like to give dudes their flowers. You know what I'm saying? And uh, f- for you to be a guy coming from where you came from, uh, from a D2, from our area, you know what I'm saying? Um, that's one of the main reasons why I started this platform, man, was to highlight guys like yourself and, you know, give you a chance to kind of tell your story, man, just motivate people. You know, that at the end of the day, no matter what your circumstances are, no matter where you came from, no matter what odds are stacked against you, man, you can make it. You know what I'm saying? So definitely want to give you a shout out, man, for, for doing that, you know, and providing – just a, a a person that somebody can look to. And like you said, not that anybody else's story is going to be like yours, but at the end of the day, when everybody wakes up in the morning and they see somebody in a space, you know, they, it gives them hope, you know, that, that that they can make it there too, man. So keep doing what you're doing, bro. We're definitely proud of you back home and um, definitely going to be tuning in y'all this year, man, with the heat. And uh, hopefully I can go ahead and, and get that ring. You know what I'm saying? That, that's what we're hoping, man. Bring it, bring it back yeah. home, you know what I'm saying, to the DMV. For sure. Appreciate you. Appreciate you having me. Appreciate you, you know, doing this and, you know, um, sharing this, sharing this to the to the people and you know, letting people hear, hear my story. But uh, yeah, appreciate it. No doubt. No doubt, folks. This has been another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast with Andrew Robinson presented by Bet Online. Make sure you guys are liking this podcast, subscribing to this podcast and giving us a five star rating. It goes a long way. This is going to be put up to you on the outro, guys, and we'll see you next time. Peace. This has been another episode of the What's in Your Bag podcast presented by Bet Online. And you ain't never been the type to finish last now. You made it to the NBA from a class clown. It's crazy how this shit changed. You in your bag now. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.